Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. It is the Therese Paler Show exclusively on 610 Sports. I am your host, Therese Paler, and I'm here for a very special, very special Super Bowl edition of the Therese Paler Show. You guys can get involved. Hit up the Smitty's Garage Burgers and Beers text line at 69306. And if you've been listening to this show for a while, you notice that the intro sounds very different. That's because my partner on this show, Brandon (laughs) Kiley, is taking a new job across the state. I'm very happy for him. You guys know how much fun I had doing this show with BK. I love you, bro. You guys know how talented I think BK is. I am 100% sure I will see him down the road. So before I get started, I want to say thanks for everything you did, man. And uh, I will see you. And I wish you nothing but the best. He is one of my main men. But fortunately for me and for this show, I got a lot of main men in Kansas City. My guys at the Kansas City Star where I used to work. Nick Jacobs and Todd Palmer at 41 Action News. Charles Robinson at Yahoo Sports. But there's more. And one of them is sitting to my right. B.J. Kissel, team reporter for your Super Bowl champion, Kansas City Chiefs. I am so glad to have you on, B.J. Thank you for coming on. What is up, brother? My guy, I when you asked me to do this, I couldn't be more excited to, to do this <laughs> show with you, to sit here and do this. We do this anyway. We do that. We sit down and talk football um, all the time anyway. So to sit here and do it with you, man, I, I can't wait. It's going to be fun. B.J., we were just out there in the hall just talking for 30 minutes. It went fast, didn't it? Yeah, it did. Just about football. And one of the reasons I wanted to have BJ on for this episode is because the Super Bowl just happened. Mm. And I can tell from my mentions and all the engagement I've gotten on my stories that this city is jacked up. They're, they're pumped. And the best thing, one of the best things about BJ is when it comes to team reporters in the NFL, it can be like a mixed bag. Some of them are good and some of them aren't. BJ is the best. BJ is incredible at his job. And his job affords him the ability to get in places a lot of people can't go, including me. BJ's going to bring a unique insight to the Super Bowl champion Chiefs and what they, what he saw over the last week. And I, I can't wait to hear some of these stories. <laughs> and I, look, he's only going to tell you some of it, but what he tells us is going to be stuff you're not going to hear in other places. So, BJ, you're somebody, you grew up a Chiefs fan. You grew up loving this team. You, get, you now get to work for this team. You're going to get a ring, which is incredible. Um, Man, you're getting me in my feels right now. Isn't it awesome? I'm trying to set you up. I'm trying to set you up because if you guys didn't know, BJ was on the sideline of the Super Bowl. That's part of his job. He was on the sideline every game this year. He traveled on the team plane. He he was a part of this, a locker room, all that. I want you to tell me, BJ, as someone who grew up around here, I want you to explain the significance of this Super Bowl to you. Like what did – this team finally getting this done after 50 years as someone who grew up around here mean to you and why? 
You know what the amazing thing about this, and I'm going to answer your question, but by not answering the question is I can't mm -hmm. because you can't put this into words as somebody mm -hmm. who grew up a fan of this team, who who lived all of the, the heartbreaks stuff. and yep. all the bad stuff. And people say, you know, did all of that make this, uh, you know, more special? Did they make it worth it? And now that you did it, yeah, like absolutely it did. <laughs> you can think back to those games now that you've got the the other side of it and you felt the other side of it. But yeah, man, like I. I can't put into words and I, we've tried, like it still hasn't really hit a lot of us. Uh, and it's not just myself. It's everybody that I work with, um, on this, that, you know, there's so many people behind the scenes that, that were a part of this, that you don't see between the white lines that are doing it, uh, that made it special. But yeah, I can't put into words what we just experienced, the parade. Um, you know, there was all these different checkpoints along the way that allow you to like re-celebrate and right. re-get get into your feels in that way. Um, Cause the game's kind of a blur to be <laughs> honest. Like you get caught up into it and you're on the sideline. There's so much going on and it's such a big production. Um, you have a chance to like be a fan a little bit. I, I want to touch into some of your experiences though, too. Cause I had the opportunity Covered the Super Bowl. This was mm -hmm. my fifth one. Probably the coolest experience I've had because this is the city I live and it was Miami. Like, <laughs> we're not going to lie. Like 72 was great every day. Okay. I'm not going to lie to you guys. It was pretty amazing. <laughs> also, it was a really good Super Bowl stadium. Like they're yeah. not all like great experiences, but this one really felt like a Super Bowl in the stadium, didn't it? And it really felt like it in the locker room after. <laughs> when I tell you this was the best locker room I've seen or been a part of, I mean it, man. It was really cool seeing all these guys who hadn't done it before finally get there. And we're going to talk a little bit about what this means to the legacy of a lot of Chiefs later in the show. But it really just hit me being in the locker room, seeing Dave told somebody who was who is the best at what he does, had never won one. Andy Reid, right? Yeah. Even, he wasn't even in there, but you know who was happy for Andy Reid? Rick Bur Burkholder, yeah. his right-hand man. I spent a lot of time with him, and Rick was so happy for Andy. And I could just go right down the line of guys who were thrilled, not just for themselves, but for someone else. Yeah. Chris Jones, thrilled for the other defensive players. Frank Clark, Tyron Matthew, they're all thrilled for other people. And it was just cool seeing all those guys to a man all say how much they were happy for other people mm -hmm. when they, they could have just been like, I'm happy for me. No, those guys, every last one of them mentioned they were happy for somebody else. And that's what really stuck out to me. What stuck out to you during the post game? It's kind of the same thing to piggyback on that. It was the same thing the week before in the AFC title game, that it was all about getting the Clark hunt and the hunt family, the Lamar hunt trophy back. And that mm -hmm. that's what everybody was talking about after the game saying it was special to bring that trophy back home. And then once it went to the super bowl, you're exactly right. And it was about coach Reed. But for me, it was seeing like Britt and to see Tammy right. in the locker room right. after the game was special. Uh, and everybody else that was, that was a part of that. And like you mentioned uh, for me, it was cool to see Patrick Mahomes when he comes in, he does a billion media things. <laughs> yeah. For him to come in the locker room, and then he went down, and you were standing right there. It was there. amazing. He went down and celebrated individually with every guy in that locker room. Him? He gave him the hug, the handshake yeah. hug, every guy, right? And it wasn't just like a fist bump, like walk mm -mm. down the line. It was a stop. We're going to have a little conversation, and he then I'm going to move every on moment. Yep. to the next guy. And there's 8,000 media in there. Everybody's celebrating. They got the Lombardi trophy going around. Everybody taking pictures with it. I snagged in there and jumped in line and took a picture with it real quick. But uh, it was special to see Mahomes come in in that moment and to want to share it individually because he missed like the big celebration with right. his teammates and all the right. stuff when they first came in because he was off doing media. So for him to come in and to take that time with every one of those guys, because let's not get it twisted either. Every one of those teammates and every one of those guys in his locker room understands the greatness that they're watching with that oh, guy. So it. it's going to be a moment for all those guys too to know that Patrick Mahomes came over, shared a word, and just spoke about it. And it was just 
yeah, this team was together as any team as I've seen in six years, and it was evident um, I, in that situation. And you know what? I really loved, like, you could even tell a little bit in, like, the amount of time he spent with a guy when it was just a little more special. Like, <laughs> Travis Kelsey, that one was a little longer than some of the other guys. Tyreek Hills. Mitch Schwartz. Mitch Schwartz. These yeah. were, like, a little long, And, like, I love just the the minutia of that and, like, what that meant. I thought that was so cool. Um and, and it's not just that it's the big stage that makes the Super Bowl cool. You were down on the field. I think you can co-sign. These days, the Super Bowl atmosphere is pretty doggone good, right? Yeah. Like, it's pretty awesome, right? Well, like I saw a report going into the game that it was projected to be like, and I don't know what the final numbers were. Right. Somebody, it was somebody earlier so- in the week, but it flipped. Yeah, somebody on sure. social media will probably yep. tell me uh, that I was wrong. But on ESPN, I think mm-hmm. it was reported that it was like 67% projected to be Chiefs fans, which mm-hmm. would have been the highest percentage of any Super Bowl ever. And I don't know if that's what it ended up being, but if you heard the national anthem and hear the home of the Chiefs, like you knew right then. (laughs) And I was standing like right next to our bench and like behind a bunch of the guys that were um, listening to the national anthem. And they all turned and looked at each other like, okay, like this just got real. Like it, we saw a lot of Chiefs fans down there. I talked to a lot of fans, season ticket members that went down that didn't know if they were going to go to the game. They didn't have tickets. They just wanted to be in the area. But yeah, to to hear that and to hear the crowd throughout the whole thing, like it was, it was special. It was cool. And I want to take a minute to contribute congratulate Chiefs fans for that because earlier in the week all the projections from like the secondary ticket sites were that 49er fans were buying up most of these tickets so like it was supposed to be the other way and Chiefs fans were like no 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 this is 50 years in the making we don't care how much it costs we're gonna go and I think that did help this team I really do because down 20 to 10 even though 49er fans were cheering it wasn't to the point I mean you could speak to this it wasn't like an overwhelming like so, and crowds can swing big games like this. Yeah. Even when the second interception from Mahomes happened, right? There was a big cheer, but it wasn't like a big game-changing cheer, right? Like, I, yeah. I feel like that crowd was ready to explode for the Chiefs. And I do think that helped them. Yeah, when the big plays happened for the Chiefs, it was definitely, like, noticeably different right. than a couple of the interceptions and the big plays that you mentioned. Especially that one drive where they went, like, seven plays, 80 yards, and had a 10-plus play, seven plays in a row that you felt that you kind of heard the crowd at that moment. But as soon as it went 2010 and they started moving the ball and making some of those plays, you start start to feel a little bit different. And then as soon as Mahomes got the ball back, I just remember talking to our producer and being like, he could just become a legend. Like right yeah. now, like this is a game winning drive in the Super Bowl, four <laughs> minutes to go. And like you talked about like me being the fan, like my favorite part of this whole entire deal was I got to marry like being a fan and just like taking that in and being down there on the sideline with like – working for the radio network right. and being professional in that way. But on the Sammy Watkins catch, like I lost it on the sideline. Like I just absolutely lost my mind. As you should have, by the way. that was a beautiful route. Like I was watching because where I was standing, like I was right in line with her. He threw that ball. And to see Sammy get off the line the way that he did uh, and make that play, like, I, yeah, I, I lost it. Legendary stuff by Watkins on a legend in Sherman. Um, before we get to the next break, I wanted to ask you, what was the most touching thing you saw during your time over the team with the last week? Personally, I will just say seeing Andy hug his wife, Tammy, and he yeah. loves that woman. Like it, right after the win and his face light up when his wife came on the field. I thought that was just awesome. Yeah. For, what was it for you? Seeing the players with their kids like, yeah. just hit me in the field. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I had been away from my family good. for like seven days. So to see Harrison Butker 
and all the guys like have their kids up there. Seeing like Travis Kelsey, and I didn't see it live. I saw the video after mm-hmm. Travis Kelsey with his dad. I thought was really really special. And you hit the nail on the head with with Tammy and Coach because of what how long they've been together and just what she's endured. Like she's right. as big a part of this right. and everything that she handles behind the scenes. It was a really cool special moment that uh, I think hit everybody in their feels. That's been any time around Coach, the kind of man that he is. Absolutely, absolutely. Now I, I like that you mentioned just a second ago that Mahomes could become a legend. And I'm going to use that as kind of like the basis for the next topic we're going to talk about on the other side. You know I love cross-sport comparisons. And the 2019 Chiefs remind me of one of the greatest teams in the history of team sports. And it's not a football team either. We'll do it next on the Therese Paler Show, only on 610 Sports Radio. The Therese Paler Show, 610 Sports Radio. Let's go to Belton and talk to Paul. Patty cake, make shake, baby. Welcome back. It is the Therese Paler Show on 610 Sports Radio. I am Therese Paler. Here are my main man, BJ Kissel. The Smitty's Garage Burgers and Beers text line is 69306. You guys can hit us up on Twitter as well. I'm at Therese Paler. BJ is at Chiefs Reporter. So, you know I love cross-sport comparisons. Mm-hmm. And now that the Chiefs have won the title, I'm going to tell you, these guys remind me of a basketball team from the past that – was pretty doggone good. Let's see if you can guess, BJ. The Chiefs, like this team, had a transcendent alpha dog who was their best player, a Hall of Fame coach, and a a knack for falling down early, but you always knew that run was coming. Okay. I don't know. I got nothing because the, <laughs> the original team I thought was LeBron when they came back on the Warriors, and that's where I'm at. But I was like, Hall of Fame coach. Not, I don't know about that. Yeah, not to, not to besmirch yep. the pride of Mexico, Missouri, Tyron Luke. <laughs> but uh, I, I will tell you, it is the 1991 Bulls, and here's why. It was at the beginning of Michael Jordan's run of dominance. Mm-hmm. Um, now, he, he was beaten back a lot more than Mahomes was, mm-hmm. but Mahomes did get beat back by – this era's bad boys, Tom Brady and the Patriots. So that did happen to him last year. Mm-hmm. But this is still happening early enough in Mahomes' career that you could see a run coming. Remember, Jordan won six and eight years. And I'm not saying the Chiefs are going to do that, but I do think they think they've got a dynasty coming. And I, I wrote that I think that the window is – like nothing is off the table for Patrick Mahomes right now because they have a generational transcendent alpha dog who's their best player. Andy Reid, the Hall of Fame coach, Phil Jackson – Listen, Andy Reid's going into the Hall of Fame. Is I don't think it's going to be hard now. I don't think I'm going to have to campaign for him. When it's the like time, you're going to be in that room. I, I will. And when the time comes in 15 years or 10 years or whatever, I don't think it's going to be hard anymore, okay? But they've got that Hall of Fame coach. And the last thing, and the most important thing, arguably, this knack for falling down early. Just so like, Just like with the 91 Bulls, you knew. You might get out to a lead. You might be leading them by 20 points in the third quarter. Mm-hmm. But that run was coming. And when that run came, you were going to have a hard time withstanding it just to the sheer athleticism of that Bulls team. And it's not that far away from this team's offense. With the speedsters they have a receiver, you can't match up physically. And then Mahomes is the most gifted player in football. It's a stretch. Just a slight one. But do you get where I'm coming from on that? I get where you're coming from on that. I don't like to make the comparisons and Mm -hmm. all that stuff across across that way, but – 
you know, people talking dynasty and talking runs and all that. I know our players have been talking about that stuff, but you never know from like one season to the next. And we've waited so long for this that let's, <laughs> let's not start looking ahead. Like let's enjoy this moment. Be where your feet are. It's what I always say. Like just enjoy being where we are right now because we got to see on the parade. And I think that's going to be one of the most special things about all this because mm-hmm. it's one thing to go down there and celebrate. And that was one of the cool parts is we got to celebrate like multiple times. Right. So you celebrate like on the field then you celebrate in the, in the locker room afterwards. Mm-hmm. And then we had the post party back at the hotel and we have to go celebrate at that Mm -hmm. and then we came back to kansas city and one of the things i remember is when we landed the team plane lands we all get on the bus and we start coming back that cars were you got the police escort anyway but cars were parked above like the overpasses with signs which means like people had parked out there for a while knowing that we were going to head back to arrowhead and just to see that is when it first became real of what Mm. this team i say we like this team Mm -hmm just did for this city and what it meant. And a video just posted on the chief social account of some interviews that I did um, during the parade. I went up on the buses and was talking to the guys. And one of the things that Frank Clark said that resonated with me is that, you know, what they were able to give to this city and that he had never been a champion in his life. Right. So they, they provided something for him, but he's like, you never know what people are going through in their lives yeah. and that people could be struggling with different things. Diehard Chiefs fans could be struggling with things. And then to give him this outlet and this just kind of like man. joy yeah. is huge and is way beyond sports, way beyond just a fandom that that's like a real like way to kind of bring everybody together and uh, and do it in that way. And that's that's where it like started to hit it was at the parade to see everybody come together in that way. And, and that's why I'm glad you brought that up, because that's why I told people, like, if you could get down there, like if you could do it. Mm-hmm. And I know it's expensive, but you should, because I, I still think this is going to be a run for the Chiefs. Like, I think they're going to go on. a. There's a chance that they could put a few of these together here. But if you talk to Patriots fans mm-hmm. and you talk to fans of teams that have gone on these runs before, Warriors fans, uh, right down the line, they always tell you the first one is the most special. Mm-hmm. And if you happen to be in the place, the stadium where you win it, it's the one you remember the most because that's the one where you don't know if you're quite a champion yet. You don't know if like you've got that DNA yet. And then when it finally happens, it's the most special. And I think we look at this Chiefs roster, there were two guys on this roster that had won a Super Bowl before. All right. Terrell Suggs, Stephon Wisniewski. Everyone else did not know if they had the championship DNA. And these were some really good players, man. Like, even the quarterback hadn't won in college, right? So, like, to me, I thought it was just so cool that collectively all these guys kind of saw, you know, that they are champions. And I that actually leads me to something else I wanted to talk to you about. Um We know what this win does for Andy Reid's legacy. Mm -hmm. I think this means he's a Hall of Fame cinch. Patrick Mahomes, Mm -hmm. now he is officially the most accomplished 24-year-old quarterback of all time. Mm -hmm. But there's some guys on this team that this is going to help their Hall of Fame cases tremendously. Travis Kelsey. You know, um, I think Gronk is going to be the all-decade tight end Mm -hmm. for the 2010s. Kelsey is going to be competitive. But he, put it this way. Him winning this title before we all vote on that in February, the recency bias might help him. And let me tell you something. If you are all decade, that is a highway to the Hall of Fame. So this was important for him. Tyron Matthew, he's 27 years old. What if he wins a few more All-Pros? What if he's first-team All-Pro a few more times? What if he's part of the dynasty? Like, he's his role on this team was border, you know, pretty huge. Frank Clark, who else on this roster – um, do you think of when you think of like boosting of like a legacy boosting win? The first one you brought up is Travis Kelsey, just because mm-hmm. he's done it for long enough now, and he's put up the kind of numbers that can back up 
that kind of statement. I mean, four straight thousand yard seasons has never been done by a tight end in NFL history. Don't three times had only been done by Greg Olson. He's the only other guy to do that. So it's one thing to just say he's really good. He's an mm-hmm. all pro. It's another thing to start saying nobody has ever done this. And it's not some, you know, strange stat that, you know, the third Tuesday or the, you know, in division games, right. blah, 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 but whatever it is, it's, Four straight thousand yards is the mark for a receiver, for a running back, whatever mm-hmm. it is. And for him to do that four years in a row, you start to talk about those kind of numbers like Gronkowski never did that. Antonio Gates never did that. Tony Gonzalez never did that. That's where I feel like you can strengthen that case. And you start stacking Super Bowl championships on top of it, especially key plays, catching the touchdown in the back of the end zone, right. and the other plays that he made. Um, yeah, I don't think you're not going to get an argument out of me on that one. And I think you bring up a great point of the other guys. I think they got to stack more seasons together. Right. You know, and I think they would tell you that by the way. Yeah. I think they tell you the same thing. Cause Kelsey's done it for four straight seasons now. Cause a lot of people were making the comparison about Kittle. And I was like, give, give Kelsey his time. You know, like it was always (laughs) going Kelsey for so long. that Kelsey was kind of biding his time where it's now Kelsey's time to be at the top of that. And Kittle will be right there. Cause he's a phenomenal player. But uh, yeah, Kelsey's the one that jumps out besides what you mentioned in, and Patrick Mahomes, do we said it last year, that it was one of the three best seasons for a quarterback in NFL history, and he follows it up with an entire offseason for defensive coordinators to game plan against them, and he goes out and wins the Super Bowl. I thought the best thing for Kelsey is that, like, he didn't just, like, win it. He had moments, this whole playoff run. Like, he had some big games and some big moments during this thing that I think will really help him. So, um, you know, you, you, I, I think you were about to say something, but, like, you look at Kelsey, like, I really – I'm starting to feel pretty good about – going in front of the room with his case. Like, I think he's still got to keep playing a little bit, but I'm starting to feel pretty good about that. I wasn't going to say it. I was just smiling. Okay, all right. Like, oh, these guys are back. They're going to go do this and get everybody healthy and go and do this again. Uh, you know, it's difficult, and they're, they're going to put the work in. I saw Mahomes put out on social. Like, he's already back in the gym. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's, working out. That's him. That's who the kid is, though, man. Like, they've been talking about this guy's work ethic like this for three years, man. Like, this is – it matters to that's him. That's how he's wired. It, it matters to does. him, you know. And yeah. it was cool to see him let loose a little bit during the parade. Like you know, Mahomes is really put together, man. Like, he's a great face for the franchise. He understands all the – he understands what it means to be the face. And, like, I thought it was so cool to see how happy he was. Mm-hmm. Like you could just see it on his face, the satisfaction he had. And it's just like, man, I feel like with that kind of off his back, that frees you up to go on that run. I would guarantee you that that was joy and what he was able to help give Coach Reed. I agree. And Coach Reed 100%. Earned. It wasn't about him. Right. It's never been about him. Whether there's a mic in his face, a camera in his face, it's never about him. I think the joy we saw in him was knowing that Coach Reed got that trophy that he'd been working so hard for that everybody had made a thing out of, which I, right or wrong or indifferent is about to be made about Kyle Shanahan. Right. Like people are starting to saying a lot of those same things. And I hate that. And I hate it too. He's a great coach. It was never fair to coach. Uh, It's not going to be fair to coach Shanahan because of how well they played. He'll get his Um, one day. Yeah. But the other thing is the joy in Patrick Mahomes seeing how the city reacted. I think it was telling when Patrick Mahomes is standing on stage and they ask him a couple questions and he yells, Kansas City, we did it. Yeah. That's very genuine. That's very real. That's not, you know, anything other than, you know, him being in that moment and, you know, expressing what, you know, his mindset was going into that game. Kansas City Chiefs are Super Bowl champions. Wow, that's crazy to say, but it's true. And coming on the other side, we're going to have to deal with the reality that the NFL still stands for not for long. (laughs) That even applies to the Super Bowl champions, which means the business of football is always going on. I'm going to give a forecast on Patrick Mahomes' next contract and what I hope happens with Chris Jones and Sammy Watkins. And we'll do it next on the Therese Paylor Show, only on 610 Sports Radio. Therese Paylor Show, 610 Sports Radio. 
Welcome back. It is the Therese Paler Show on 610 Sports Radio. I am Therese Paler. I'm also the host of the Yahoo Sports NFL podcast. My main man, Charles Robinson. But right now I'm here with BJ Kissel, the host of the Chiefs team podcast in the trenches. The Smitty's Garage Burgers and Beers text line is 69306. You guys can hit us up on Twitter as well. I'm at Therese Paler. BJ's at Chiefs Reporter. So my attention has already turned to whether or not the Chiefs can not only repeat, but whether they can be a dynasty BJ. You can't just enjoy it for a minute. I can't because <laughs> just, honestly, I, I can't. Like it, yeah, you, you can't. I, I come on. Like, I know, I know. I, I gotcha, I gotcha. The draft is coming up. It's like, coming. Like, hey, guess coming. what? The, I'll be at the combine in a couple weeks. I'll I gotta, be there asking you about all the players you like. I can't wait. Let's go. Let's go. I can't wait. It's great. Um, and I'm on record saying that I think they can make this like a. They can compete for a year in and year out, right? Mahomes is 24. Andy Reid's a Hall of Fame coach, and all their defensive stalwarts are 27 or younger. But if you're going to turn into a dynasty in this league, you have got to nail the personnel part of it. And that's easier said than done. It requires you to make some tough business decisions. And the Chiefs definitely have some coming up. Fortunately for them, general manager Brett Veach has proven to be very forward-thinking and competent. Look at his 2019 record alone. Bashar Breeland signed him. He was fantastic, especially down the stretch this year. Frank Clark thought he added a lot of edge, a lot of edge. And he's just a really good player. Um, and I'm, I'm going to let you speak on the Frank Clark Tom edge. Setter. Yeah, and he definitely had that. There's Grown man. <laughs> Grown man. There's a, there's a lot of them. Let's not, let's not act like one guy gets the credit. They get them all, but we've got some Frank stories. Tyron Matthew. Love him. Love the landlord. I thought just for my money, I covered this team seven years. It was one of the best displays of defensive leadership I've seen in my time covering this team, what he did this year. Mm-hmm. I hope people understand how special what that guy did this year was. Even guys like Juan Thornhill, draft pick, was fantastic. I think he's going to make some Pro Bowls. Mm-hmm. I really do. Yeah. Mike Pinnell, I think he's positioned to get paid a little bit in free agency. As a run stopper, he was great. Damian Wilson, starter. Alex Okafor, starter. Emmanuel Agba, starter. Traded for him. Gave up Eric Murray. McCole Hardman, all-pro punt returner. I'm sure I'm missing some, but that is an unbelievable run from the personnel Charverius side. Ward, a couple no, years ago? I'm talking no, about just 2019. Just okay. Yeah. Just 2019. No, talk about 2018, too. Charverius Ward. Ward, they signed Sammy Watkins. But yeah. you look at just this year, bro, that is a great run. From yeah. Brett Beach. And we saw it early. And I know the story you're talking about at OTAs because we, we've for, joked, for Frank Clark, yeah. We've joked yeah. about this before, but like <laughs> and we talk we go back to OTAs and the storyline was the defensive changes and how long all the coaches that were new and all the players that were new and how they're gonna adopt this new system. Well, my question is like how are the alpha dogs on that side of the ball gonna kind of show right. themselves early at practice? Right. And we saw from the coaching staff, like if you go back to some of the content that we were putting out or stuff on social media. It was like, there is a, an added, like a, a substantial difference in just the, the communication and just the energy coming from the defensive side. And Trez, you were out there and it was palpable. You could hear it. You could see the coaches running around. It was a whole lot of fun. They were, they were into it, but they were into it a lot and they were going up and, <laughs> and that's the story I'm going to get into because and I've shared this before on our podcast that 
you go to that first day of OTAs, and I remember thinking, how are guys like Frank Clark and Tyron Matthew and these these big prize free agent, you trade for them, you give them the big contract, how are they going to kind of dip their toe into the water when it comes to leadership and kind right. of taking ownership to that side? And not that there wasn't. Chris Jones, Anthony Hitchens, Kendall Fuller, there are right. guys that played on that side. So it's not just these guys that can't be the only ones who get credit. But I do remember seeing Frank Clark yelling, and I was like, what is he yelling? And then I heard it very, very audibly, <laughs> screaming it like Mahomes in the offense, screaming, this ain't last year, because there was like a, a competitive ball, and they they tipped it or it got out of bounds. I don't remember what the play was. I just remember like the offense and defensive guys are kind of chirping back and forth. And I was like, this is amazing that there's not like feeling their way into it. They're establishing no. themselves from the very beginning. So fast forward to the, the playoffs when Frank Clark's comments are making headlines and people are like, oh, he's speaking. Of, this is he Frank. He was talking about that. This is what Listen. he does. This is who he is. This is what makes him great. I wanted to step in real quick and just say the story you just heard of BJ that BJ just told you is literally like the tip of the iceberg when it comes to, <laughs> I was hearing that Frank Clark was giving people the blues in OTAs for in like a good way. And that's how I knew the first day of pads in training camp in August, I was going to be right down there ready to write that Frank Clark story. Those OLDL one-on-ones were going to be right where you were sitting. You, I mean, how funny was, I mean, you had to know that's where I was going. I mean, was, that's where you always go. Like that's the football stuff. That you, you know, use. but, but, I will tell you this though, I had I knew what I was writing because I knew Frank Clark was gonna be bellowing grown man at people like he he goes a hundred miles an he hour loves it he every time he's out on the field and you need that on that a football team from the beginning and then he dealt I, with the injuries and he was kind of not hundred percent he spoke about that right. pretty candidly afterwards um, but he loves football though and that it matters means something to it him. means so much to him yeah well, that's why you pay guys that love the game because even if they're going to find a way, typically, when they truly love it. And Frank Clark loves football, dude. Like yeah. he, That dude loves the game of football. We, we talk about this at the Combine every year, and it's a question I, ask, I used to ask John Dorsey and I asked Brett Veach every year is, how do you determine the guys who love football and lo- or the guys who love the fact that they're really good at football? Because mm-hmm. those are two different things. And you can go to college and be the biggest, baddest guy. That doesn't mean you have to love the game. And I remember Trey Koziel, our, uh, one of our area scouts, told me, and I asked him that exact same question. I go, how do you figure it out? He goes, I talk to the coaches, and I'm at practice on a Tuesday, you know, after the team's, you know, four and four and six, four and four, whatever this college team is, I go and see how hard they're practicing on a Tuesday afternoon, not how hard they're going at the combine, not when they're interviewed by an NFL head coach saying, how much do you love football? Like those are the guys that you want. I guarantee you Frank Clark was going hard at practice oh. every time he was out there because he doesn't know any different. Tyron Matthew is the same they way. They got Anthony guys Hitchens that love the game. The same they really way. get after yeah. it. And it's, it's not a line. It's, it's very real and palpable. And when you go out to practice or you come up to St. Joe for training camp, they're going to set another attendance record this year. Cause everybody's, everybody's going to want to see this Super Bowl team. You will see it. And you'll notice that it's not always like that. It is substantially different than it's been. And I think there's another player that we've gone 38 minutes without talking about, but he could have been Super Bowl MVP that the Chiefs got (laughs) last year. It was Damian Williams. Mm -hmm. What a performance. You know, that guy had a great game. That's another guy who he's going to benefit from that tangibly, right? And that's a player that they showed a lot of faith in. They signed him. And I heard good things about him when he came from Miami. Omar Kelly who's a columnist down there, someone I trust as a football guy. And he told me, like, this guy blocks. He cares about the game. He's a hard runner. He catches. He does basically everything. He's just a good football player. His teammates love him. Yeah, and that's the kind of player you need to, like, make plays for you because I knew San Francisco was going to try to take away Tyreek Hill. I knew they were going to try and take away Travis Kelsey. 
it was going to be guys like Sammy Watkins. Mm -hmm. It was going to be guys like Damian Williams. It was going to be McCall. It was going to be these guys that were going to have to make plays. And those guys were better than the guys that they had those one-on-one matchups against in certain, in certain moments. And I think that's a credit to the Chiefs for identifying them and bringing them in. But how about a kudos to the players who stepped up? Like, because they had to win their one-on-one matchups. Sammy Watkins was awesome. Damian mm-hmm. Williams, those guys were awesome. And that's what you need to win a Super Bowl. It took everybody. You look at the offensive line and the way that they, when they got into the red zone, they ran the football. Those 49ers D line, like a lot of people talked about them all week. Like they were on their back for a couple of those plays. Like they got after it up front. And Damien Williams, one of the biggest plays that he made was coming over and helping on the block on the far side on the the throw to Sammy Watkins. I know that I believe they broke it down during the game. Um, being one of the biggest plays in the game. But, yeah, Damian Williams has been an energy giver. I think about the Seattle game. They ended up losing that game last year. But that offense, like, they were struggling. Pat was a little amped up. He spoke about it after the game. But it seemed like whenever the offense has struggled or got off to a slow start, Damian Williams is the one that, that got him going. And it meant something to him. And I don't. he never actually said it. At least I didn't hear it or see it. But I think he heard everybody talking about the 49ers run yeah, game yeah. and that he was kind of the odd guy out that nobody was talking about leading up to that game. He took it personally and goes out there for 100 yards with a couple touchdowns, one through the air and one on the ground that, you know, Damian Williams is one of those guys that uh, that you remember. And he's a trivia question of who has the most <laughs> points scored in Chiefs postseason franchise history. Answers Damian Williams. Wow. And that's just something we need to file away. Because we know that that's going to continue to be a piece of Chiefs lore, yeah. right? Not um, in Daniel Sorensen's right. tackle on the fake punt. God, you could just can't, go. We can't go. I can. I can talk four Golly. hours just about plays that made the difference. And I see we get some text from people here. Like people want some comments on Mitch Schwartz. Like it's just so many great players who stepped up, man. Like and Schwartz was awesome in that game, man. Like for the most part, like it was. I know. Look, the Forty Nine pass rush was like Nick Bosa's a good player. Right, we, yeah. Nick Bosa's real good. We were talking about Bosa's like maybe the best Ricky Edge rusher in a couple of decades since Javon Curse. But if you're going to win a Super Bowl, you need everybody to step up, which is why it's really important that your depth is on point. And we're going to get to that on the other side. We'll talk a little bit about some things that I'll project. I'll project a little bit of how free agency is going to go, what this team might look like in 2020. And we're also going to go around the league a little bit. My man BJ is very tough on quarterbacks. We're going to talk about quarterbacks in the AFC West. It's going to be fun and a little bit of draft. So we'll do that next on the Therese Paylor Show, only on 610 Sports Radio. The Therese Paylor Show, 610 Sports Radio. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It is the Therese Paler Show exclusively on 610 Sports. I am your host, Therese Paler. Um, and I'm here with my main man, BJ Kissel. You guys can get involved. Make sure you hit up the Smitty's Garage Burgers and Beers text line at 69306. And uh, I just want to tell you something here. We're having a good time breaking down the Chiefs' first Super Bowl title in 50 years. But like I said before the break, um, the business of football is coming, and I do want to touch on this a little bit because people keep asking me some of these questions. So, first of all, Patrick Mahomes, we know the contract is coming. I think the Chiefs do want to pay him a rich sum, um, <laughs> and I think they would prefer to do it sooner rather than later. I know at the Super Bowl, Clark Hunt gave some beat writers from here a timeline of 12 to 15 months. I do think he was just managing expectations, but I do think there's an understanding this probably isn't something you mess around with, so... Um, you you got to pay him knowing the price is always going to go up. 
Yeah, I was in that room when he was talking to him. It yeah. wasn't necessarily like a deadline that yeah. was set. It was just kind of a generic. If they say six months and it's six months in a day, then everyone starts asking questions. Right. So They're like, oh, kinda, what happened? Yeah. What do we, they want to pay him, basically. <laughs> it's going to be fine. <laughs> they, 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 look, they know they're about to pay the piper on it. This is the kind of guy you pay the piper on and you're fine. So it'll probably be closer to when the new CBA is. But, like, this is coming. They know it's coming. They're ready for it. Okay. Another player. This is one of the big offseason storylines. Sammy Watkins. The Chiefs are projected to carry over about $23 million in cap space to next year. And by cutting Watkins, they can save $14 million. Now, he's talked a little bit about maybe taking a year off or going to another team and trying to be the number one there and trying to lead them to the Super Bowl. Um, this is just me here. I'd rather, find, I'd rather they find a way to keep him because I thought having that guy be basically your third receiving threat match up against the third corner or third defensive back. He has been killing. He killed people in the postseason. So I'd like to see them try to figure, find a way to figure it out. One of the best things about your role, BJ, is that you see things and because you're close to these guys in a way other people aren't. Tell me like what you saw from Sammy Watkins this year and how maybe some ways he helped this team that maybe people just wouldn't even understand or wouldn't know. The one thing I'll say is I know that Sammy Watkins absolutely loves it in Kansas City. Mm -hmm. He and his family absolutely love it here. He's spoken about that, and that means a lot. I know a lot of players say that that means something to him, but you've been around Sammy that it does mean a lot to him, and it is important in that way. Uh, but the one thing when I think about like what Sammy did this year that – I always go back to, and I actually thought about it as soon as he made that catch, that 38-yard catch uh, to set up the go-ahead touchdown that when I was <laughs> I was down there losing my mind, I immediately started <laughs> thinking because the storyteller in me just goes back right. to training camp. And I remember going and talking with Rick Burkholder, uh, the vice president of sports performance and medicine is his official title. He's in charge of all of our athletic trainers is the approach that they took with Sammy this year and how different it was compared to what they had done in years past because he had so many issues with his feet. And what they did is they basically said, okay, we're not going to treat your feet because everybody's been doing that. And you still have foot problems. We're going to treat your glutes, your back, Smart. your hips, all those other things, because we feel like it'll take the tension off. We're not going to pretend to, to right, know right, that right. side of it, but they took a different approach to it. And Sammy said, like, he's never felt so free for his ability to go out and make plays and run down the field and all that. And he was banged up. There's different things that happened during the season, but to be in that position to make that play, it wasn't just about the blocks the Damian Williams coming over mm -hmm. and Mitch Schwartz making making the block and Eric Fisher getting a hand on a guy mm -hmm. and then Sammy making that release off the line of scrimmage. There were so many other people that were a part of that play happening and Rick and his staff and and people that you'll never see behind the scenes helped contribute to that play. And that's why, not to go off on a tangent, why that's it was fun. so special afterwards mm -hmm. at the post-party and the parade and all the staff members and the people that fans will never get to know or get to see to see them celebrating was special. And the one guy, the other guy, like Paul Schreppel, mm -hmm. uh, the University of Kansas oh, Health yeah. he's the one who ran <laughs> out of the field in Denver and reset <laughs> Patrick Mahomes' kneecap. Right. Like, everybody saw his picture. They saw him yeah. go out he there. He earned do his it. ring for sure. Yeah, but so, you see him yeah. on the, the celebrating and all that. So for me, when I think about Sammy, I think back to Rick and his staff mm -hmm. taking a completely different approach and having to go to coach and be like, coach, I know we want to get this guy healthy. We're going to take a different approach. Um, I think that's what I think of when I think of those moments in special. So... I loved having Sammy around. It was great to hear him. I know he loves it in Kansas City. I'm not going to speak on the business of football, but uh, the guy made big plays and stepped right. up when it was made the most, and that's exactly what Brett Veach brought him in here to do. Other guys that need to have decisions made about him, Breland, we talked about him. Mike Pinnell, 29, turns 29 this year. Emmanuel Ogba is just 27. Did you know Kendall Fuller is only 25 years old? Wow. Kendall Fuller moved to safety 
and looked damn good there. Yeah, how like, about that? I really like him at safety. But if, if I was another team, I would be looking hard because he's a smart player with ball skills. Like I'm, I'd be looking hard. He made himself some money. Demarcus Robinson, another player who made himself some money. But I want to talk about Chris Jones because they can either franchise him or they can pay him something. Approach a Frank Clark's deal. I know that that's something that his side was looking at last year, and that definitely did not change based on the season he just had. Um, I personally hope they find a way to do it because I love kind of the quartet of leadership between him, Big Frank, Tyron, and Hitch. It's a I just love mix it. Of personalities. I love everything yeah. about it, and I I feel like if you're gonna like make things tight for yourself, I think you try to make things tight. By giving, and this is just Therese talking, mm-hmm. but I try to let the champs defend the damn title. I do. I try to let the champs defend the title. And I feel like Chris Jones is a big part of that. So maybe you got to make some tougher decisions down the road and you got to trade down a lot and get a lot of cheap, you know, top 100 pick. That, But I try to find a way to bring him back to the fold. Tell us something about you saw with Chris Jones that really resonated with you throughout the course of the year. I just love that he says he wants to spend his career here. I mean, right. I think that's all genuine, that he loves it here. He, his teammates absolutely love him. Like I said, that video they just posted on our social account, uh, interview Frank Clark talking about Chris, who's in the background <laughs> celebrating. I guess you could say he's having a good time <laughs> during, the, during the parade. But, um, yeah, I, I agree with you that you – you put this roster together and I think that Brett Veach has earned the benefit of the doubt. And even some of the moves that publicly and on the outside were criticized um, of Brett, you see those guys step up and some of the biggest moves that he made during the off season um, over the last couple of off season, guys like Sammy uh, and Chris Jones, or excuse me, um, Frank Clark and Tyron Matthew, you look at the playoffs and who was stepping up in those situations, those biggest moments. And, Whatever happens with Chris, I think Brett Veach has earned the benefit of the doubt. When you look back to all of the moves that he made that some were unpopular at the time, then you look back at some of the comments and you look back at how it came to fruition. You All of a sudden, you're like, you know what? That was pretty good. So give him the benefit of the doubt. Know that he's doing doing the best uh, he can in that situation. But um, I know we're getting ready for the combine and make one quick combine story uh, before we get back on this. Uh, talking about Brett Veach. What do you think would be my favorite combine quote of all time, speaking of Brett Veach. Do you know what I'm talking about? Because you were standing there too. And we got to give this credit because he got torched nationally for making that comment. And now to look at it, he's just, he will never do it, but he just can sit back with his feet up like, I was right. You know what? It was Brett Veach saying he's the best player I've ever seen. And guess what? He was. He's the best player a lot of us have ever seen. And no one's going to (laughs) remember it now. You go back to that freezing cold takes, like he was getting crucified for that comment. It was like, you know what? He was right. Let's hit around the league real quick. Let's start with the AFC West. The Chargers announced they would not bring back Phillip Rivers. It's the end of an era with that franchise. Player that Chiefs fans kind of love to hate. I think I kind of miss him, though. He's, he's, Phillip loves to shoot his shot. I kind of miss him. It's going to be weird to see anybody back, you know, back there other than 17, screaming at the refs, screaming at Frank, screaming at Tyron, all that fun stuff that was going on. It's going to be different for sure. Oakland, there's some scuttlebutt. The Raiders aren't crazy about Derek Carr, which I could have told you because I have eyes. Um, I will say, I will tell you this though. I'm all in on John Gruden getting a veteran quarterback, his next Rich Gannon, whether it's Tom Brady, Phillip Rivers, or whoever. That could be pretty fun. Maybe they're just trying to create some excitement before they move to Vegas. <laughs> easiest way to do that's the quarterback position. Now I think Denver might have found his quarterback of the future in Drew Locke. Uh, when the Chiefs faced him and faced him this year, um, you were on the sideline, local kid. He was pretty pretty spunky to me. Kid's got some moxie. It's going to be fun to watch. Absolutely, absolutely. We'll take one text from a listener. Um, Tess 
says, Therese, I know most, if not all the hot head coaching positions have been filled, but do you think someone makes a surprise firing and tries to swoop in and take Eric Bieniemy? The Jets, perhaps. Not this year, but I will say at some point, Super Bowl title looks pretty doggone good on Coach Bieniemy's resume. Um, and I'm definitely rooting for him. Good dude. A lot of support in the locker room. His time absolutely will come. Um, BJ, I really, really appreciate you joining me, my man. I can't believe it's been almost an hour. <laughs> that doesn't feel like it's been an hour. It's easy, right? Yeah. It's, uh, it's there's fun. so much we wanted to get to. We wanted to get the quarterbacks. I guess I got you for a little bit um, in, in the draft. I know you're still going to start diving into your draft prep um, coming up, but Tua Tonga Valoa, um, recently a CT scan of his hip, um, apparently says that the results were pretty positive. Yeah. Um, is he a guy that you like? Are you in on? I do. Tua? You know, you, we've talked okay, enough uh, through the years. You we, know, this is absolutely your kind of guy, too, right? Yeah. If a guy is accurate and can move around the pocket yeah, with chaos around him, I'm going to love that guy. I don't care if he can't throw a ball 15 yards. I'm going to love that guy. And uh, you like the big, strong arm, kind of cocky, arrogant quarterback. A little bit. I'm, I'm coming down on that a little bit, though. I, I, Mahomes is the prototype. So we can meet Make on Mahomes because he, oh, yeah. he does all of it. Right. Mahomes is absolutely the and prototype. We did meet. He <laughs> we did meet on the middle on him. We remember talking about him before. We, we liked him. We both liked yes, him. We like, did. and we looked pretty good there. I love he was my all juice quarterback. I love it. By the way, my last three all juice quarterbacks pretty good. Mahomes, Lamar, Kyler Murray. It's pretty good. That's pretty. Uh, I, that's pretty strong. Four years ago, it was Paxton Lynch though, so I needed that kind of bounce back. I like to find the smart sixth rounder that's accurate. <laughs> that's going to be on a roster for like ten years. Oh, that's your thing. Remember. Uh, there's one player we're not going to say who it is, but I absolutely love talking football with BJ. And sometimes <laughs> we'll talk about guys. And when he doesn't like a guy, he'll let me know. And he'll let me know strong with the fill-in-the-blank socks. It's great. <laughs> it's They're never Chiefs, though. Like, the Chiefs avoid the guys that BJ does not like. BJ's got a great uh, sense of football. I know who to watch. Yo, it's good. Absolutely. He's BJ Kissel. I'm Therese Paler. I'll be back sporadically throughout the offseason. So if you want more TP show, tweet it to the 610 Sports Radio handle and leave a positive review on the of the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Thank you for listening. I will see you later. Peace. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.